Good afternoon, everybody. Um, welcome to AMT 301, Alexa, Where's My Car? I'm Dean Phillips. I'm worldwide technical leader for automotive and manufacturing. I'm based in Detroit, uh, where I've spent the last 20 or so years working on automotive solutions for customers, uh, most recently in connected vehicles, smarter cities, you know, mobility as a service solutions. And I'm joined today with my colleague, John Dixon, who will start our session with a live demonstration of our connected vehicle solution and using Alexa. And he's got some cars driving around the Las Vegas Strip and elsewhere. Uh, so John, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Thanks, Dean. Yeah, I'm John Dixon. I'm a solution architect with AWS based in Detroit. And uh, what we've done for this session today is we built a solution that leverages the connected vehicle reference architecture. We put vehicles on the road with a kit that includes green grass on a Raspberry Pi uh, and, a, and a few other sensors. We put them on the road today. And uh, the first thing I want to demonstrate is a quick Alexa skill we, we developed on top of the reference architecture just to exercise some of the integration that's possible with this. Alexa, where's my car? Hi there. Hope you're having a nice time at reInvent. Which car can I locate for you? Car number six. Found it. Your car is currently in the area of Gibson Springs, Henderson, Nevada, United States. So pretty simple demonstration there. Um, but as we'll talk about, as, as Dean will cover in the next uh, few minutes here, um, how all that went together. It's, it's fairly simple, but there's a lot of moving parts. Um, luckily, we put this in the reference architecture for, uh, for you to download freely today. And uh, Dean, with that, take it away. Okay. So uh, today we'll, we'll start out with uh, an overview of AWS and the automotive industry, and then uh, kind of set the stage for the state of the industry, and then we'll go into the connected vehicle solution, uh, the reference architecture, dive into the use cases, understand what, we're, what we mean when we say by that and how to use the architecture. We'll talk about the edge computing, uh, data ingestion and analytics, and then I'll end with IO, the, uh, an introduction to the IoT device simulator and our reference implementation of the AWS IoT framework for automotive-grade Linux. And then I'll hand it to John again, and he'll go in and show in much more detail the solution uh, that he just showed you. So um, there are several megatrends driving the industry today. Uh, electrification has really mandated connectivity with completely new approaches to vehicle operation. Uh, it's the first time where we start to see where bits and bytes actually become more important than mechanical and you know, uh, uh, fossil fuels to make a vehicle move. And in order to do that, we really need uh, cellular connectivity to get the data off the vehicle, to understand um, the state of the batteries and all the various systems. Another uh, component to this whole transformation is the expectation of uh, what consumers have when they think about their vehicle and the infotainment and the services that are provided. Obviously, they, uh, you know, if we think about our mobile phones and how easy it is for us to download new content, we expect that to appear in our vehicles. And then you pair that with the onset of autonomous driving and uh, how that's going to transform the rider experience inside the vehicle. So we're looking at entirely new ways to uh, formulate the vehicle interior, 
and how do we, uh, what is the expectation of a passenger? How does the passenger interact with that vehicle? And we'll find that you know, using voice and natural language is really going to drive that, if not just from a, an application. And then, um, of course, all of this is enabled by uh, the onset of cloud computing. Uh, we wouldn't be able to make the advances in automotive today uh, and with all of these different uh, new transformational technologies and mobility and autonomous without the uh, capabilities that cloud computing gives us. And um, a couple other things about ownership models. I mean, the, if you think about the ownership of a vehicle, um, we're looking into subscriptions, you know, the concept of a subscription to a vehicle. Uh, companies like Porsche, Hyundai, Cadillac, and Volvo, among some others, have created a model where you can subscribe to a vehicle. It comes, with, it comes fully insured. It has included maintenance. And then even some of them allow you to change vehicles out uh, for the purpose that you need. So example, on a weekend, let's say you want to uh, pick up because you're going to do some yard work or whatever. And then you want a sports car during the week or something like that. So these kinds of flexibilities really demand software to make it happen. And one of the things that really um, is interesting that I thought was kind of uh, forward thinking at the time, three years ago, Bill Ford uh, was interviewed by McKinsey uh, in an analyst interview, and he um, made the bold statement that we need to become a mobility company. So we're going to sell fewer cars in the future, and we need to create mobility services and become a software and services company. And that's really what we're seeing today. So if you consider all of that, uh, there are numerous components uh, inside a vehicle. So the vehicle is made up of multiple different types of hardware. There are many different electronic control units kind of scattered around the vehicle with purpose-built hardware and software embedded in them. If you consider that, uh, there is no real common standard of implementation either with this. And combine that with all the code, we're seeing an average of uh, just over 100 million lines of code in the vehicles that are built today. 100 million lines of code in a car, which is really quite, uh, you know, amazing to think that it actually can get down the road. Um, and then uh, now you think about the data. So all those devices, all those ECUs and sensors are generating tons of data. If you look at a Ford Fusion Energy circa 1913, uh, they generate about 25 gigabytes of data per hour. That's a lot of data. But then if you fast forward to today and you consider an autonomous vehicle that you see driving around on the roads that are, you know, the OEMs are training these devices, these cars to understand their, you know, their surroundings. Uh, all the sensors inside that vehicle really generates around 30 to 40 terabytes of data for every eight hours of driving. You know, plus or minus, and depending on who you talk to, they do compression in different ways. But that's really kind of like a, a generic number for you to understand. And so you get the point. Uh, you think about a vehicle, it's really like a rolling data center. Uh, it's you know, data center on wheels. It's got all the complexity that we have in our own uh, on-premise data centers. So what has Amazon been doing in automotive? Uh, if you, uh, you know, take a look, you know, we've been around this space for quite some time. If you uh, consider you know, many of the mobility startups and the map providers, uh, the OEMs, you know, many of them have built their solutions on AWS. And uh, Amazon Music and Audible uh, has been in cars for years now. You know, using from your phone, you can surface that stuff through or even uh, embedded in applications in the HMI, uh, in the infotainment units in the vehicles. So we've been supporting all of this from the cloud side. So not just from the cloud uh, services, 
But uh, if you look broad, more broadly at the Alexa team, for example, Alexa Automotive uh, released an SDK that uh, provides a uh, hybrid voice engine so that when you don't have connectivity, you're able to control the vehicle um, you know, with a limited domain of uh, uh, language models for you know, things like navigation or HVAC controls in the car, you know, pop my trunk, those types of things. Um, you need to have that capability without connectivity. But then you also uh, can, uh, with the uh, full you know, uh, Alexa skills framework that, that exists, uh, you can invoke any skill and when you're online and uh, you know, bring that Alexa ecosystem into the vehicle. And of course, we've uh, you know, announced earlier this year the uh, trunk delivery, uh, so things like that. And then, of course, uh, rear seat entertainment experiences for uh, luxury vehicles and then uh, family uh, minivans, things like that. Uh, we talked about all the data and all the different services that, you know, starting to see some of the services in the vehicle, you need to have connectivity. So there's kind of a history of the different types of connectivity that are in vehicles today. Uh, some or all of these are all together um, in, a, in a car. Um, let's starting, you know, let's look back a few years and with the BYOD concept, bring your own device. Uh, one of the first uh, sync implementations, um, you plug your phone into the USB port. You know, you could do uh, uh, play music and things like that. But uh, using tone over dial, you could get a vehicle health report or even a 911. And so you'd notice while you're driving along, uh, the, the speakers would mute and there'd be a message on, this, uh, you know, on the screen that would say sending a vehicle health report. And it takes over your phone you know, and makes a phone call and sends the data and then hangs up. Uh, pretty low tech, but it worked. Um, and then you know, com combination with CarPlay and Android Auto, again, it's using applications from your phone projected onto the, the screen in the vehicle. Next would be satellite. Of course, we all know all about Sirius XM and uh, the, you know, the infotainment capabilities that you have there with traffic and weather. And you can even get uh, movie times. But um, where it comes into this conversation is you know, some truck fleets were first connected using uh, satellite technology. So um, again, that's a technology that's here to stay uh, probably for quite some time. And then uh, the aftermarket. That's how John did the demo earlier, where we had an ODB2 interface, about 16 inches from the center of the steering wheel. Usually underneath is a port uh, called the onboard diagnostics port. And you can plug a device into that and get data uh, through uh, the interface and then do, with, you know, do whatever you'd like with that. And these devices come in, uh, have all kinds of different communication protocols, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and of course, all the various cellular capabilities. And uh, these are used for aftermarket solutions. Um, Ford released a device uh, sometime earlier this year or last year where if you don't have the newest car with an embedded modem, you can buy one of these and pop the trunk, do that kind of thing. And then um, they're also you know, from different uh, uh, telephone companies, cellular companies. They've got fleet solutions that are um, using an ODB2 device. And then lastly, what's really driving the change, uh, everybody's in a race to improve or create an embedded modem in the vehicle so they have embedded connectivity uh, for the telematics aspect and the command and control to unlock the door, start the car. Uh, but you also have uh, uh, companies putting in, you know, Wi-Fi hotspots into vehicles. 
So now we've, uh, you know, we've solved the basic connectivity problem. There have been many, you know, uh, for years, OnStar has you know, been connected. Volvo had cars very early on. Uh, and you know, many customers already have uh, embedded solutions in place. So you can have some form of telematics capability. But the amount of data that they're sending is not quite where they want to be. So uh, they really want to get to the point where you can run advanced analytics, do some machine learning, uh, establish a data lake that's really valuable to the product engineers. And um, you know, looking at building their second and third generation platforms. So uh, customers asked us last year, uh, before I joined, I've been here about 16 months, um, customers are asking us, you know, how do we build our next-gen platforms on AWS? What do you recommend? So we got our solution builder team to go out and talk to customers and figure out you know, what are all the common computing patterns for this type of solution? Uh, what are the common use cases? And, and they really listened to customers and to uh, you know, how, how to do that. And I think they've done a phenomenal job. And hopefully, uh, you know, our job today is to give you, you know, once I get through this high-level stuff, give you a little deeper dive into you know, where to find the solution, you know, how do you deploy it, and, and get familiar with it. So I'll get into that today. And so on this website, uh, if, you, if you Google AWS Connected Vehicle, you'll come to the Answers website. And you'll find a CloudFormation template there with an implementation guide. And you just simply click the CloudFormation uh, template button, and it will launch into your account. It takes about three minutes, and you have the entire reference implementation up and running. And you know, we realize that this is not a telematic solution, per se. It's not a production environment for you. But this is the beginning, you know, the 70% of some of the core capabilities for you to build on and you know, embrace the builder culture, build that custom connected vehicle experience or mobility experience that, that your customers demand. So you can go to the site and get all that, set it up. There's a link also for the source code the presentation, so I think we'll be on SlideShare later. I'd make another point there as well, Dean, and that, uh, that solution, about three minutes to deploy it. Uh, the solution we're going to talk about a little bit later is about uh, $50 or so in the vehicle. Okay. Um, and it's all serverless, right? So there's zero capital required to get started and get your hands on a, a, a functional telematics system. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. It actually goes to my next slide where <laughs> I'll talk about uh, the fact that you know, this is serverless. So when the customers asked us, hey, how do we do this today in your environment, um, we, we looked at the established patterns, like I mentioned, and we did it all serverless and with managed services. So we have a lot of Lambda. Every service is managed. Um, all microservice-based. It's scalable at every level. It auto-scales. And it's a pay-as-you-go model. Uh, and we provide the source for any of the code that's in it. So the thought here is in, you can spin this up. And if you didn't touch it, it might cost you about 40 bucks a month, somewhere around there, because of the dynamo charges. So just keep that in mind when you, when you get started. But it's really uh, flexible with low uh, cost to entry. So what are the common use cases? So we looked at you know, the whole, you can, you can go crazy with the different mobility experiences, but we needed to provide a core. So if we consider the first one, we have to get the data. So we have secure data consumption, where we push the data from the vehicle and land it in the cloud, put it into S3. Talk about that in a minute. Next one is driver behavior. You know, how are drivers using the vehicle? 
What are the conditions? Uh, in our example, we provide a driver's safety score. And I'll talk about some of the other options that you can do there, you know, like with fuel efficiency and battery efficiency. How are they using the vehicles for fleets? And then anomaly detection, beginning the conversation around doing some predictive analytics based on the data from the vehicle. And then we do diagnostic alerts, and then uh, we have the ability to do some location-based services. So before I get deeper into the architecture, we, um, I first like to describe this you know, in three big layers. You know, first, we have the vehicle with uh, all the data. We publish that data into the cloud. And that's where we have all the machine learning, the analytics, uh, the storage, and the business logic for the application. So that's in the middle tier. And then on top of that, we build a collection of APIs. And we provide you a full API set to um, interact with the data that you push into the platform. So you can create a web app, mobile app, and then query the information that lands in the environment. So um, this is the tier. This level, the API layer, is really where OEMs are trying to monetize and come up with those mobility experiences uh, and transform their business, you know, becoming software companies and data providers. So take a gander at this, and it's quite a bit on the chart. Uh, but um, this is the full architecture. If you look on the left uh, in purple, that is the IoT side of it, the vehicle. In the vehicle, we put green grass. And then we have uh, the IoT core layer. And then uh, you'll see the first use case around just-in-time re registration. The middle tier, those are the six use cases that I just introduced. And then on the right, that's the mobile and web application architecture for um, the, your mobility apps, applications. <clears throat> All right, so the first one would be uh, getting into the edge and uh, IoT. So we'll start out with you know, why we chose IoT and um, get into the architecture here. And then I'll flip over and show you some of the details around the messaging and the, the, rules, in the, uh, the rules engine. So we need to efficiently offload the data, get it into the cloud, into storage. Uh, once we, you know, uh, the data is pre-processed by Greengrass, uh, we encrypt the data using a TLS 1.2, authenticate the connection with X509 certificates, and then once the first connection is made with the just-in-time uh, pattern, we uh, authenticate the vehicle and uh, assign a, a security policy to that vehicle uh, identified by VIN. Uh, vehicle identification number. And so now the vehicle has the ability to publish and subscribe to the topics uh, that um, you know, send the data into the platform and then consume data from the platform, receive data. And then uh, the other capability we have, uh, besides the device gateway where everything's terminated, uh, we have the rules engine. And in the rules engine, you can write SQL statements that says something like select star from topic Y where message value equals X. So you, you can get very simply create a rule and then trigger a downstream process. You can pass the data. So I'll show you those rules and then how, and how, we are, um, how we're doing that today. All right. So I'm going to flip over to the other screen. So um, 
I don't know how many of you have played around with IoT yet. Uh, has anybody um, done anything with IoT? Okay, so you may um, understand some of the concepts, but um, I'll zoom in on this and kind of go through some of the, uh, uh, we'll go first into the uh, device gateway and all of the uh, topics that, are, that we use in this particular solution. So you see the first three rows in the table here are the telematics, vehicle trip info, and diagnostic trouble code. Those are the publications from the vehicle side. So um, publish it to connected car, telemetry, and by VIN, and then the message payload. And so we, this, this is the first core message, the most important one. The next one is we have the concept of a trip. Everybody likes to think of trips when you talk about connected vehicles or te telematic solutions, you know, from key on to key off. And we aggregate the trip data in Greengrass, and at the key off event, we push the bundle. And then we do diagnostic trouble codes. So when we detected a DTC uh, from the can in, in the car, uh, we're going to fire a DTC message to a particular topic, have a rule that runs on that and uh, processes it appropriately. And then we do four, we have four subscriptions. Uh, one is an anomaly alert. So I'm going to give you a demo. We've got a, just like a demo client where we show uh, how this all works. Uh, and we're going to push uh, an alert down to the vehicle. So the vehicle subscribes to that alert. And then we get DTCs. So we'll get that DTC alert, and we'll show that on the screen. And then, of course, there's an advertisement alert. Uh, you can, uh, we probably should have just called this, you know, like ge it's a geo basic geofence capability. If uh, the vehicle's in a particular location, take this action. So those are the topics. And then, well, before I leave the topics, I wanted to mention to you a new feature that was announced, I believe, last week or before called basic ingest in IoT. Basic ingest is a really cool feature because it, we don't charge for the messages sent from, uh, uh, if you use basic ingest, we don't charge the message, uh, messages that get sent. So it's designed for really high ingest uh, solutions, like a connected vehicle. And basically all you have to do is uh, for this, you know, if you want to build your own client to push data into it using basic ingest, all you have to do is put, uh, it's a reserve topic space, dollar AWS slash um, uh, basic, and then the rest of the, uh, the content. And you will um, be able to reuse this entire solution the way it is today. And what it does is it bypasses the message broker, the gateway, and it goes straight to the rules engine. So that's how we're able to save uh, computing and costs by going straight into the rules engine. So your entire downstream um, set of functions are uh, available without changing this entire solution. And that's really one of the examples of the beauty of uh, PubSub and MQTT type of solutions. And then uh, these are the rules for the rules engine. So you can see it's a very easy to understand um, way to set up rules using SQL statements, essentially. Uh, the first one is about the just-in-time registration. So when the, on the first connection, and that's a, that allows us to authenticate uh, the, the vehicle. And the next one is the telematic storage. So we're running uh, a rule that says whenever I get a message to telemetry topic, I'm going to run it to Kinesis Firehose and put it in S3. Same thing with D DTC. When I get a DTC, 
I'm going to fire a Lambda function, write a Dynamo record, and uh, publish a notification. And the same thing for the others. It's fairly, fairly simple. But I, I wanted you to get some familiarity with this so that you know, when you do deploy it, you kind of have an idea of how some of this stuff works. So I'm going to flip back to the charts. So um, I had to do a plug about MQTT. Uh, it is basically becoming, I think, you know, if there is such a thing, a de facto statern, standard for connected vehicle uh, uh, messaging. Um, there are obviously alternatives. And if you think back years ago, some of the first solutions were all based on UDP. Um, but because of the short call, shortcomings of UDP, they had to build on top of UDP an entire stack, uh, a very chatty stack, to um, ensure messages are delivered. You know, I'm sending a message that's this. And then uh, you know, unlock the door. And then you send another message back. Uh, you sent me a message, unlock the door. I'm unlocking the door. And then you send back another message, unlock the door successfully. You know, you, 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 lots of uh, back and forth, not quite as efficient. Uh, so those are kind of dying away. And we're seeing more MQTT with customers committing to that. Um, but again, it's publish and subscribe. PubSub, really easy. Um, it's one to many, um, which makes it easy from the fleet management perspective. If I want to push content out to a vehicle or a function, I send one message to the broker, and it goes out to everybody. Uh, there's no polling required for clients. So if you consider that, that's a significant savings on uh, power and compute, because you're not polling, you know, is there a message, is there a message, is there a message? So if you're building applications that require battery power, that's um, uh, something to take into consideration. And of course, there's a very small message overhead with a two-byte header. Compare that to HTTP. And then uh, it was designed for sometimes connected networks. Uh, IBM did this. Uh, uh, Andy Stanford-Clark and Arlen Nipper invented this, I think, in 1999. And they did it for an oil and gas customer to monitor the pipelines. Uh, they wanted to monitor pressure, flow rates, and temperature to see if there were breaks in the lines. And they were doing this over some very expensive uh, telecom solutions where they had to, the AT&T, you know, you had to dial into each of these uh, control units around the whole, the whole pipeline to get the status. And they were doing this over uh, hard telephone lines. They were doing it over VSAT. So they needed an efficient protocol, and this became the answer. All right, so I've spoken a lot about the, the IoT core aspect and the messaging. Uh, the next thing is really uh, looking at green grass. And for me, based on the conversations I've had with many of you, uh, when I first talk about connected vehicle solutions and we get into the edge computing component with green grass, that's where we really tend to stop the conversation and we continue around that space. Like, how do I get green grass? How do I get my hands on it? I need to do a POC with this thing. So if you think about it, Greengrass is software. It's really extending the cloud computing paradigm directly into the vehicle. So it allows you to bring these you know, serverless uh, Lambda functions right into uh, a vehicle running at the edge in a very low constraint uh, computing environment. And you can uh, do those, you can push those Lambda functions um, over the air. You can do it with modern programming languages. So you're kind of freed from having to write C code that runs on, on an operating system. 
and you think about all the complications and the difficulty with agility that you have in that environment, and you compare it to writing business function in, in these nice scripting languages, pushing them down to the vehicle, and doing that over the air. You can do that to one vehicle, or you can do it to a fleet of vehicles. You can do it from the console, or you can do it via an API. So it's a very efficient way to get business function there. The second really interesting thing is around machine learning inference. And uh, you can create a machine learning inference model and then push that down to Greengrass, run it there. You can do that over the air to a single or a group or a, the entire fleet. And then you have a Lambda function invoke that model and do something really cool. And I'll provide, show some examples in a minute. And then, um, you know, the other feature, Greengrass can operate in a disconnected manner. It doesn't need to be connected to the cloud to do the, 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 uh, for those Lambda functions or those models to run in the vehicle. It can also serve as a microbroker to other IoT endpoints that might be in the vehicle. So lots of capability there, and um, really uh, spending a lot of time talking to customers about this. So last year at CES, we built a demo to try to show the, the power of Greengrass and what you could do with it. And uh, we did uh, a distracted driver uh, demonstration. My good friend Mahendra Bairagi, who some of you may know, uh, he's now on the ML team, he was on the IoT team. He developed this demo in a matter of two days. He got the idea and uh, started and went to work. So basically what you're seeing on the screen is that architecture I started to introduce with Greengrass as the hub inside the vehicle for uh, messaging between maybe some of the major components. I'm not exactly sure which one those should be, but that's up, up to you. I know that um, a particular OEM that I used to work with is building their own microbroker to do this exact same, same thing by having uh, it you know, publish and subscribe within the vehicle over an Ethernet architecture for their new electrical architecture of the vehicles. So in order to demonstrate that, uh, we grabbed a deep lens. Just because it's a convenient form factor, it gave us a Linux operating system. It has green grass in it, and it has a camera and a GPU. So it made it really cool and easy for us to build this demo. Uh, the second thing we had was a, a free Amazon FreeRTOS device, a multi-sensor device. And it sent gerometer and basic uh, you know, accelerometer, temperature things, uh, sends that data into Greengrass. And then we took a Raspberry Pi and we deployed the uh, powertrain simulator uh, from our reference architecture and put that on the Pi uh, so we could publish telemetry data to Greengrass. And we can do all three of those things, take pictures, publish the data, and do it in, without connection. So the deep lens didn't need to be connected to the internet to run that function. So getting to the distracted driving and the traffic sign identification. So Mahendra took about 30,000, 40,000 images from an open data set of distracted driving. He used SageMaker to train uh, the model on 10 different classifications of, uh, 10 different classifications of distracted driving. You know, so if you think about one is talking on the phone, talking to the passenger, um, doing hair and makeup, eating, you know, you get the idea. There are 10 different classifications. And so we were doing a demo where we'd have somebody come up and um, we had to put the camera at the right angle. Uh, but we would, we would do that and, uh, or reach for the radio and it would tell us that we, were, we had distracted driving. So it was really cool. He did that in like two days uh, using SageMaker. 
And it's nice because you can push it, the model, uh, from IoT out to the endpoints. So that just gives you an idea of what you, what you can start to do. Uh, and then the other thing we talk about, because we have this efficient pub-sub architecture with MQTT, you can get near real-time uh, uh, messaging to go from the vehicle to the cloud and back down to another vehicle. So the idea here is that you can communicate road conditions uh, out to other drivers, like potholes, uh, black ice, accidents, for example, or rain. You can send the, this data to the cloud and then subscribe, the, your endpoints can subscribe to that and kind of update perhaps the traffic uh, management uh, in your um, uh, navigation system. So it uh, just, just kind of shows the capabilities and where we're seeing, we're seeing these kind of two-way scenarios now with uh, connected vehicle solutions. It's no longer just a once a day or by event message that gets sent. And if I talk about vehicle to vehicle through the cloud, I can't not bring up this topic, which is the true vehicle to vehicle, you know, peer to peer sort of messaging uh, that is required for the autonomous uh, vehicles that are, are being developed. Uh, right now, this is still all under development. There are two camps that have formed. Um, historically, we have the uh, DSRC, the uh, Dynamic Short Range uh, Communication, and this is based on like a Wi-Fi protocol, uh, but it's, a, it's another radio in the vehicle, it's another protocol, something else to manage. But it's been around for a while, it's been first. So there are some vehicles that have it, I know Cadillac released a vehicle a year ago with this, but the problem is there aren't any other vehicles or infrastructure to receive the information. So it's still under development. <clears throat> in the meantime, the, uh, you know, with the onset of 5G uh, and multi-access edge computing, um, you're starting to see a lot of articles and uh, discussions around C to V to X, which is cellular vehicle to everything. And this is using the 5.9 gigahertz band, I believe it is, with uh, uh, the embedded cellular modem. So it doesn't require you to have these DSRC things in the car. You can just have the one modem, which is uh, efficient, more efficient. Uh, I know Qualcomm, Ford, Audi, and some others were doing working together on uh, practical tests. I've seen a lot of articles on that lately. Um, we actually did a demo uh, of this uh, from the telecom perspective, the other side of the industry, uh, at Mobile World Congress, uh, showing uh, a mech solution for vehicle-to-vehicle. -vehicle. So um, let's get into the, uh, our, uh, excuse me, into the use cases. So the first one is about landing all the data into S3, get it into the cloud, establish the data lake, uh, drop it into S3 that, you know, this provides a highly durable uh, and available object store. As you know, there's four nines of availability, 11 nines of, uh, of durability. Uh, it makes your data available in a very cost-effective manner. Uh, beyond that, we needed a fast way to secure it and move it from AWS IoT to get it into S3. So we selected Amazon Kinesis Firehose. And you know, Firehose is a managed, scalable uh, service that will deliver the, the, mes the messages. You can uh, transform them if you'd like or compress them and encrypt the data um, and land it into S3. So it's a very high-performant way for us to get the data off of the vehicles and into S3. The next thing we can do, we're doing a predictive analytics application here around uh, and detecting anomalies in the data. So on that same uh, 
Kinesis Firehose stream, I can run a Kinesis data analytics application. So this is a SQL-like application that interrogates every message that's coming through, and it basically runs a SQL application on it. Um, you can use Kinesis Analytics for uh, real-time dashboards or creating you know, real-time metrics for monitoring notifications or alarms. In our example, we actually, in our demo, we kind of tick up the powertrain, or excuse me, the oil temperature, and uh, once it reaches, uh, uh, the anomaly score hits a certain level, we then fire a message, we throw it into a, a, a stream, fire Lambda, write a record into Dynamo, and send a notification. So you could build uh, other, other uh, types of uh, applications using that around predictive analytics. So let me just quickly show you the app running. So I'm going to go, whoops. Mabel and Dallas will love the fact that their face is on YouTube. <laughs> um, so I'm going to fire up this demo uh, that we use just to do some demos internally and um, start sending data into the platform. So we're going to start in Las Vegas, where we are. We're started here at the Venetian, as you can see. And we're going to go around the corner to the win. I'm going to start the route. So we're using Mapbox to do turn-by-turn -turn nav here. And the second you see it start to move. So now I want to go over to the IoT console. I'm going to show you the messages as they're coming in. So the first thing I want to do on the test console here is I'll subscribe to the topic. If I can, I always type it wrong. And I'll describe all the messages on the telemetry topic. And then you can see, as you can see there, the data is coming from my laptop. It's pushing to US East and then coming back uh, to uh, my computer here to show you the messages. Next is uh, the Kinesis Analytics application. So I um, told you, uh, I was just describing the analytics application. So let's uh, take a look at that. So there, um, on this page, you can see there's a source, and then you have the application, the source stream right here, which is the t connected vehicle telemetry stream, and then um, the destination for messages that kind of fulfill the requirements of the application. We'll take a look at the application. Um, you probably can't see it very well, but uh, Inside the SQL there is a, we're using a random cut forest algorithm to create an anomaly score. And we used a, you know, a random data value like the oil temperature. So we ticked that up. And you can see here, these are all the messages being interrogated as they're coming through the application. So you can go in and you can actually watch this happen. So all that's um, going on right now. Let me just shrink that. And we'll go back to the application. So the trip ended already. It was a quick trip around the corner. Um, I told you about the notifications that were fired. Uh, the first notification that you see here is a dynamic diagnostic trouble code. So we'll go take a look at the database and where that is so you guys know uh, when you use it. And then there's the anomaly message. Um, this was the anomaly on the oil temperature. And then at the key off event, we calculate the driver safety score. So you, know, you may be interested in efficiency. Like if you're a fleet driver, you may be more interested in fuel economy or battery efficiency. 
for usage. So um, everybody has their flavor of uh, driver behavior that they want to implement. Just upload it into the Lambda function and go to town. So we'll switch back to the presentation. So that was the Kinesis Analytics app. The next is trip aggregation. Everybody in telematics thinks about the data in the terms of trips, key on to key off. So we used Greengrass to capture the data uh, inside the vehicle, and then we push it up uh, in a bundle and put it into to Dynamo. At the key off event, that's when we fired that uh, driver safety score that you saw. So when that happens, uh, Lambda fires and writes a message, and then we send the notification that you saw on the screen. And then uh, DTC, you saw the DTC, that, uh, the diagnostic trouble code that we um, executed. And uh, then there's location-based marketing. And then on the right-hand side, these are all the APIs uh, for, um, for your mobility applications. So take a look. I just want to give you um, a little insight into the the assets that you get when you deploy the reference architecture. So if you see on the left-hand side all of the tables that have the CV ref arc, uh, those are the tables that were created. And in there, we can, we can jump into the anomaly table, and we'll take a look at the, the anomaly that I just created for the drive. We'll sort this. So this was the last trip I did just now. Open up the record. And you can see uh, the, um, the oil temperature was 303, was too high, and the anomaly score above was a 53.8. So that um, gives you an idea on, on, on that data source and the, the tables. And then the other uh, thing is the DTC table. So we had a DTC that was triggered. Take a look at that one. And that is a mirror passenger horizontal switch circuit short to battery, whatever that means. But um, this is all real ODB2 data. Our powertrain simulator that, was, that you saw in that client um, uh, pushes real data. All right, moving on. And, and then um, in the documentation, you can see the full set of APIs that are uh, available. Um, oops, it's not forwarding. There you go. You can see the set of APIs that you can pull down and get vehicle data and anomaly data and the DTCs and all that kind of stuff. So it's uh, really easy to use and available. So I highly encourage you to take a look at, at the docs there. And then one last thing to show you. Um, you're probably wondering, you know, how, if I deploy this, how can I push data? I can't give you that little demo client, but I can give you this. So the IoT device simulator was a tool that the Solution Builder team released uh, sometime mid this, this year. And what it is uh, actually first started as a way to push uh, vehicle data into the connected vehicle architecture. But then other teams were asking, hey, I've, I've got a fleet of things. You know, I've got a bunch of doorbells or something I want to connect to. Um, uh, do you have a simulator that you can help us? So help us with. So if you go to this site, again, you can search AWS IoT Device Simulator. You can deploy it, 
and I think now it takes about 30 minutes because we're doing, we're pushing out to some edge caching, the local caching to make the uh, web pages a little more performant. Um, but you'll have it up and running, you'll get an email, create a login, and then you can log into the dashboard. Let me show you what that looks like. So this is the, the home page of the simulator when you log in. You can create a bunch of different devices, um, different um, things depending on your needs. We're talking about automotive today, so I'm gonna click on the automotive link. And you'll see in a second that I've deployed a number of simulated vehicles already. I've got 57 of them here. And I don't have any running at the moment, so I'm gonna go ahead and hit start on a couple of these. So right now, one of the cool things about this architecture is that it publishes automatically right into the CVRA if you have it installed. So it's gonna push all this data. I've got these simulated vehicles going, and that's available for you. Take a quick peek. There are a set, a uh, bunch of routes. You can customize those. Um, documentation tells you exactly how to do that. And then this just illustrates the data that's being collected for this vehicle. So it's a very helpful tool um, to use along with uh, connected vehicles. Um, right now you won't see the anomaly surface here. Not all of the routes will produce a DTC or an anomaly, but you can easily make that change and we hope to uh, have a new release of this that where we can surface those things right in the UI. So it makes it a little more interesting and easier to use. All right. And um, so this was just an example of, you know, on the right is the connected vehicle architecture. This is the architecture provided by the simulator on the left. And it will push that data right into, you know, when you launch that template, it creates it and it'll automatically push that data into your IoT endpoint that's already established. And then lastly, and I'll hand it to John, uh, one of the things that we did, trying to become more relevant and you know, to show that we're a real player when it comes to telematics and connected vehicles, is we wanted to implement on an automotive-grade operating system, on automotive-grade hardware. So uh, we... Um, uh, Tendra Nishar from our solutions team took uh, the reference architecture and then he spent some time uh, looking at AGL. And AGL is an open source Linux-based collaborative project run out of the Linux Foundation. Um, the whole vision of this uh, project is to uh, address all of the software in the vehicle. So from infotainment, HMI, HVAC, telematics. Uh, they're even talking about you know, trying to get into the ADAS and autonomous space. Um, but the goal of AGL is to build a single platform for the entire industry, uh, develop 70 to 80% of the starting point for a project, and um, you know, openly work and collaborate together. So there's 100 plus members. Uh, Amazon Alexa joined this year, early this year. And there was actually the 2018 Toyota Camry um, deployed uh, AGL for their infotainment stack. So Hatendra took Greengrass and IoT and he created a substrate inside AGL to um, allow customers to uh, have a reference implementation to use Greengrass and IoT within that application architecture. AGL has its own concept of these secure virtualized containers, and uh, we've got a CAN bus binding, there's GPS bindings, all kinds of services. So he put that in, 
built the tele telemetry application and sends the data to Greengrass. And he's got a little video, I should have uh, put it together, but a uh, video that shows him driving uh, connected via ODB to and uh, pushing the data uh, using this as the runtime. Uh, so it's pretty cool. I encourage you to go check out the, uh, the source code and uh, play around with that. And this was on the Renaissance Arcar M3, so real uh, automotive hardware. So I've gone long enough, and I'm going to hand it back to John, and he's going to dive deeper into the demo that you saw and show you how he did, built that skill. So, Thanks, Dean. Yeah, let's have another look at the map here. Uh, so everything that Dean just talked through is in this simple solution, which just uh, is comprised of, as you can see, three vehicles. Uh, each of them have green grass, and the sensors they have are pretty simple. GPS, accelerometer, and an OBD adapter. So they're sending data actually once a second via MQTT up to uh, the brokers actually in US East. So um, works okay here from Las Vegas, as you can see. Uh, so we have this application you're looking at here uh, is using Mapbox, and it's pulling uh, the connected vehicle reference architecture, again, once a second, to ask all cars about their location and their speed and whatnot. Now, one thing that we did add uh, for an event we did in Detroit a few weeks back, uh, which is a little bit outside of the, the reference architecture, but we added vehicle video. Cool. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we added vehicle video to one of these cars, so we have a Raspberry Pi in the car with a Pi cam, and it's actually pumping video through the Kinesis video streams. So this is pumping video back again to US East. Uh, and this is, there's a lag of about uh, three to five seconds typically, um, perhaps more when you're, we're dealing with cellular. But this allows us to then use recognition in the cloud where we wanna use that, right? Certain things we want to do inference in green grass in the vehicle to get an instant response. Other things we may want to recognize um, the vehicle license plate ahead of us there, or the stoplight, or um, uh, some other object in scene, right? Another thing we can do with green grass, since we have that instrumented, is detect an event. Maybe it's external, maybe it's just an event in the community, and send a message down to the car to say, re start recording the last you know, 30 seconds of video up until I tell you to stop, which is another MQTT message, right? Uh, so I think there are a lot of possibilities here once we get into um, uh, using video, using green grass, and having the entire solution in the CBRA. We actually have a customer in Taiwan who's been doing that, uh, using green grass and cameras in the vehicle to capture scenes uh, so they can do just that same thing. Yeah, pretty it's cool. pretty good stuff, and it's, um, again, Low point of entry for anyone in this room to, to get started. I built the kits myself last week in my home office. I'm so happy to, ha to have a conversation about how that went. Um, ordered everything off of Amazon Prime, two-day delivery. So it was, uh, it's pretty simple to get going. Cool. Uh, let's slip, flip back to these slides for a second, if we can. So uh, what we built here is Again, a simple Alexa skill. We all know from a consumer point of view how Alexa works. We issue a voice command, Alexa, where's my car? That flows through um, the Alexa voice service, translates our command into something that a Lambda function can then operate on. 
And to give you a little more expanded view into this, uh, we can issue commands, of course, to Amazon Echo devices, but now, since we have the, the AVS and the, um, uh, the skills kit, we can embed Echo and Alexa functionality into a vehicle head unit or into any other device, as you may have seen the, the connected microwave and things of that nature. Uh, so you can follow the flow here from left to right. Um, <clears throat> we issue the command into the Alexa device. Uh, that is recorded as speech into the speech platform. Once the speech is there, we're using automated speech recognition and natural language understanding to fish out that intent. It's important to understand that we're not trying to um, uh, decode the entire voice string. We just want to get the intent out. And the intent we have is um, only one for this skill. It's where's my car? And it's a car location intent. It's going to specifically just look for the car number. So when I ask for location of car number two, two will end up in my Lambda function, and I can then operate on that. Uh, from there, the Lambda function actually um, uh, pings API gateway, and uh, as part of the reference architecture, the data about the location ends up in DynamoDB. So we bring back the latitude longitude of the vehicle as it is on the map. An additional thing we do for the Alexa skill is instead of just returning lat long coordinates, uh, we want to get the actual neighborhood, right? The, the city state where the car is. So uh, the Alexa, or the Lambda function, excuse me, also pings here maps to do a re reverse geocode and given the lat long coordinates, it'll come back with a neighborhood, with a city state, things of that nature. Um, and again, I think, you know, in total, if you had some focus time to sit down and build this, um, you might be looking at a, a, a day-long type of uh, effort there. And the idea here, um, as Andy mentioned in his keynote this morning, is to get out and build something, right, and not spend a lot of time thinking about the functionality, what it should do. Just get in there and build something, right? Um, what we're, we're talking about today allows you to do just that. And from there, you'll, you'll have five or 10 other ideas that come from that single exercise, and you'll build something else. And it's, all of that is meant to be very low cost, very easy to do if you have a, a technical mindset, right? And we can't forget, tomorrow we have a workshop that we're doing where you get to deploy all of these things. Uh, you can deploy the reference architecture, uh, the IoT device simulator, and uh, we've got a couple of enhancements to the architecture. We've got a fleet management interface. Uh, you can deploy that. We've got an Alexa skill, and uh, we did a command, yeah, Greengrass component where we've built a command uh, architecture just to do like unlock the door, start the car type of thing. So it's a lot. You won't be able to finish it all in the two hours, but you can get through some of it. So it's a good way to get your hands dirty if you want to join us. Yep. No, with that, Dean, I think that's all we had for today. Yeah. Uh, we're open for questions if you guys uh, would like. Uh, we've got our email and. Uh, LinkedIn IDs here, so if you guys want to hit us up with questions later or um, you know, anything you want to have, start, spark up a conversation, we'd be more than happy to do that. Yep, thank you.